Welcome to The Great Reset. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. I'm also the host of The Sean Morgan Report on AMP News. I'm here with Tobin Smith, formerly of Fox News and the author of Change Wave Investing and Change Wave Investing 2.0. And Tobin, I wanted to ask you about AI and AI mania. Is this not just a mania? Is it really part of what you would consider change wave? And before you answer that, can you tell us what is change wave investing? Well, uh, thank you, Sean. Um, uh, years ago, uh, and I have a twin brother, by the way, and he's always surprised that as poor a student I was in college, I, I, there was a couple of things I really enjoyed. And one was calculus, and the other one was statistics. And that really blew him away. So um, what I discovered was that I was not the only person in the world that put the dots together, if you will, that says that when you have truly transformative change and artificial intelligence at this point is not truly transformative change yet, it's getting there. But when you get these type of, of transformations, and they could be technological, they also could be political, um, they could be at the corporate level. I mean, I'll use the example of GE stock. GE stock didn't do anything for 15 years. They finally decided to transform the business and sell off at pieces. Stock's up 150% in the last four months. So it's not just technological change, but in in when you get an S-curve of demand like this, then it's it's a secular shift. It's not a cycle. It's not a it's a very long cycle, if, if you will. And there will be massive winners and massive uh, losers. In in Silicon Valley, about every 15 years, there are these uh, transformations. We, you know, in the tech business, we call it. Uh, the changing of the tech stack. What is the enabling technology to make the new stuff happen? And I just happen to be old enough that I, you know, I cut my teeth basically on the dot-com um, uh, mania, which was a mania. Uh, God bless. And I love manias, Sean. And you should love manias too. Because if you know how to trade them, you make a, 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 a lot of money. Um, and in that process of learning how to trade a mania, um, I ran across this uh, concept called Mera's Law. A guy named Ralph Mera goes way back, but he basically drew this S curve as well and said that at the in, in outset of a new tech stack in Silicon Valley, everything's going to be overhyped, right? So that's like Gartner Group, the technology group. You know, everything is going to be overhyped, and everything you know is overhyped in AI. Right. But, this this but, uh, this reminds me of diapers.com in the in the dot com bubble. Just anything that had dot com in the name. My favorite was zoom.com. You you're too young to know what that was, but they um, they helped me uh, with my publishing company put our content on their site because they were going public through Bear Stearns, you know, a really fancy firm. And um, they they were getting valued based on their eyeballs. And at my large publishing company, which at that time I was CEO of. We had like 400,000 eyeballs, which they were getting valued at like $10 an eyeball. Now that was cray cray. Uh, but, but, you know, it's human nature. We get overhyped and then all of a sudden we, you know, we, we come back down, we underhype and we're still in, in a hype phase. But what, what makes artificial intelligence different, Sean, is you have to separate. Well, let me look at it. If I we've got my uh, iPhone here, if I ask Siri, uh, tell me about Sean Hayes. It's going to uh, go back to its machine learning. It's just huge pools of data. It goes in, pulls your name out, puts some stuff together, but speaks to me. That's pretty cool, right? That, and that was sort of, uh, I call it productized magic. When Siri first came out and it was really worthwhile, 
Apple had productized magic. Apple productized magic when they came out with the iPhone that had a, didn't have freaking keys and had great video and great camera and yada, 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 right? So in this stack change, what's happening is we have the, you know, the, the chat GPT, not BTs. I don't know. For some reason, people keep messing that up. And all that is, Sean, is huge amounts of data, like trillions and trillions and trillions of bytes of data that goes into a so-called data lake. If you look at the stock Snowflake, which we own, did quite well yesterday in the NVIDIA news. And Snowflake holds all that stuff. All that data goes in. And then this application on top of it, the chat GPT, uh, takes all that data and then infer, and, and, and then just essentially it's like a giant uh, spreadsheet in the sky. It's not artificial intelligence. It's machine learning at a grand scale. And the only reason it happens is because there's this little company called NVIDIA you may have heard of that created a, a chip, a graphic processor unit, GPU, that now processes 32 trillion bits of data per second. Now that's a big number, and I have a giant head based on this uh, television screen you have here, and I'm still telling you that I, 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 it's very hard to get my head around that. But that's what's changed. Right. It's not. It's and not, it's it's. But it's what's interesting about in, go ahead. What's interesting about Nvidia to me is that the metaverse mania and the crypto mania also are reliant upon that same tech stack. So this is a very important technology. Well, well there's no question, but. But I mean, for even a, you've just made a great example. Zuckerberg, God bless him. I hope he wins the fight, by the way. Um, Zuckerberg uh, changes the name of the company into Meta, puts literally $21 billion into their metaverse. And they have, you know, as they used to say on Saturday Night Live, Jack Squat to show for it. They're, I mean, it's, I love the one, you know, remember when they first came out with the, uh, uh, the digital images, and somebody paid like you know two billion dollars for a picture of the first uh, tweet, and now that that sells for like a hundred bucks. That was a beyond a mania. I mean, that was in hysteria, right? And NFT. it was also yep. came at the time where you know the Fed was putting a trillion dollars of money into the market into the, every. So there was just like excess dough, and excess dough went to the craziest shizzle. I like to use all those words, Sean. This is different. This is incredibly important to, to the world as we get to what, what is known in the in, uh, AI business as artificial general intelligence. Artificial general intelligence is an, an intelligence that takes your data, makes inferences because they're able to use AI uh, technology, and it's able to tell you important things about your business, about your personal business, about your life, about what you're doing, right. blah, blah, blah. True interpretation, true thinking. True thinking. And I have seen, I, there's a company that, that that we have on our buy list that I can't really talk about on your show here because it's a small cap company. And uh, But I can tell you that what's different this time is, uh, you know, the, the chat GPT, you throw all that stuff, GPT, all that stuff, in the, the, and it will not infer a damn thing. It will just regurgitate and come out in different words. So I, I use the term, it's a giant spreadsheet in the sky. But what happens with data, and I think this is when I talk to CEOs over the last six months, they have never heard the concept about unstructured data and structured data. 
Unstructured data is all that stuff that's sitting in your, you know, Quicken books. It's sitting in your uh, ServiceNow. That it, there's a application, a software application that is written to read that data, but it only reads it in the way that the the software runs, right? So if you take that Quicken data and your ServiceNow data and you put it all in this giant data lake, and then you ask the uh, you know ChatGPT, okay, Sean, we have 350 stores. A friend of mine is a big uh, Chick-fil-A uh, franchise E. Oh my gosh, what a business. Um, and he, uh, one day I'm t- telling him about the difference between structured and unstructured data and how uh, uh, there's a new software that will allow you to easily structure that data and then ask questions and get thinking responses back. And I said, I, would that help you at all? He said, well, let me tell you, we, uh, out of all these stores, we have one store where they sell 25% more of our $5 Chick-fil-A super hot uh, chicken sandwiches, which I had to go taste test, uh, Sean, just to make sure that, you know, they were that good. And this one store sells 25% more than the other 300-ish stores. I said, well, what if, Tommy, what if you um, would have been told that not only did that store sell more because you could see that easily from your data, but why did it sell more? And it sold more because the, the desk clerk, number 321, I'll never forget that number, is a tall, uh, very personable young lady, and she sells them. When somebody comes up, she, she comes in and says, you don't want the little sandwich. Man, look at you. You're a big strapping guy. You go for the big sandwich. Man, all right, my point is, in the thinking world, in an artificial general intelligence, it would put that together and say, hey, number 321 is selling more than this. You need to go find out why. And I, then I said, if you had found that out six months before, how much more business would you have done? He said probably $150 million. Um, oh, that's, the, that's the power of artificial general intelligence. And to get there, however, you have to you have to structure the data. This, this, the structure, the data needs to be identified. The second big thing that's happening here is in Europe on September 15th, they're going to pass what they call the EU Artificial Intelligence Act. And in Europe, they sort of uh, are responsible to copyrighted content. And remember, literally 75 to 80% of all the content that's in chat GPT or in my favorite bard, google.com is scraped from the internet, meaning that data is simply the robot goes in, pulls all the data and puts it into data lake. Now, my, you know, a lot of that's copyrighted content. And in Europe, for some reason, they seem to respect copyrights more than we do. On September 15th, if you have a data lake that has one piece of copyrighted data in it, you're subject to a fine of $2 million to $10 million per violation. Wow. That's- and... Millions of, millions of violations that could add up. They keep <laughs> I mean, going. A million here, a million there, Sean. I mean, it adds up. Um, in addition, if you have just multiple uh, transgressions, like basically Facebook did with the, uh, the, the, uh, the voting information in the United States, Facebook paid a $2.8 billion fine to the EU just for that. Now, the know, EU's found a nice way to blackmail big tech and, and get as much money as they want from them. <laughs> well, you know what? It's copyrighted material and it's the EU and they got more people than we do. They have 500 million people. So, um, again, there's until we get to this point where you can actually and, and again, we have a software company that that structures this data. 
then you can add, then it will start to think because we do have the technology to think. It's just that, that no one ever thought about, well, let's put it this way. I have a data scientist nephew. I introduced him to a company in San Francisco that is a fantastic company using all sorts of artificial intelligence type and data metric stuff to make incredible medicines. Uh, he now makes $450,000 a year. He started at $200,000 a year, but all of a sudden he started getting all these offers from big pharma companies because he's a data scientist that knows how to structure data so that you can actually get stuff out of it. Right. Well, um, I'm not saying he's going to be out of business. I'm just saying that pretty soon we're going to have software out there that, um, and look, Kathy Wood's the one who says it. You know, if you take the numbers of what the hardware versus the software is going to be in true artificial general intelligence, you know, hardware right now is a $17, $18 trillion opportunity. Uh, just look at NVIDIA. Um, but the software is a 50 to $60 trillion opportunity worldwide. Um, and and there's we need it now, Sean, because as I, you know, stated many times to you and others, I'm a boomer. We already had the kids. The Gen Zers, they're not having kids. Uh, boomers, 15,000 boomers in the United States uh, hit 65 or 70 every day for the next 12 years. The fertility rates in all modern countries are down. We could not replace uh, the boomers with the Gen Xers and then the Gen Zers. It ain't going to happen in the United States. But so you're saying with this labor shortage, it's actually could be a good thing to have AI be able to replace a lot of the jobs. Well, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's now down to not even just replace; it's just to do the freaking jobs to have somebody to be able to do it. Um, and at the lowest level, uh, when AI is structured data and you have some ways of actually getting information and thinking out of it, I'll, I'll tell you the first people to go are the uh, the uh, lawyer, assistant, junior lawyers, who my lawyer friends, if they're going to do a lawsuit, they go, you know, let's just call them Bob. Hey, Bob, listen, go in and get site, read all the shizzle and and go through all the the, the uh, databases and let's cite all these citations we got to use in our thing. Okay. And they actually, you know, read it, take some days, weeks to put this, you know, case together. Or you could go, Bob, uh, I don't need Bob. Find me all the cases that have to do with X, Y, Z and give the citations and, and then summarize them. Five, four, three, done. Here's another one. Steve, how many types of jobs could be completely replaced? Well, yes, but no also. Bob doesn't want to do that freaking labor work. It's just, you know, because he's got a four-year degree and a college and a lawyer, and a, you know, and a, and a credential. He's a legal lawyer. Bob doesn't want to do that, but somebody's got to do it, and it's not the five thousand dollar an hour partner. It's you, Bob, because you don't can't charge that yet. But what will happen? Here's another one in law. Uh, the uh, Dunton's the largest global uh, law firm in the world, 144 countries. Uh, they have on staff, according to last time I chatted with them, about 1,400 lawyers who do nothing but translations at 300000 a year. Because shockingly, the translation needs to be accurate. You can't leave out a you know, participle here and a verb and so on and so forth. So they are starting to use 
um, uh, starting to use a software that you don't need Bob for. <laughs> it will go in and it will find these things in, in their data systems uh, and summarize it. Um, and uh, that's going to be great for everybody because nobody wants to be the Bob. I'm, I'm with you. you know, sometimes people in our niche get really scared of AI because there are dangers to AI and we do need to explore the whole topic. But we're, we're exploring using AI tools uh, at AMP News and we're, we're making short videos automatically. We're Absolutely. captioning videos automatically. We're doing titles and descriptions. Uh, it's assisting with that. We still kind of have to go in and correct a few things. But these are jobs that we couldn't afford to pay someone to do. And even if we could, it would be repetitive and people wouldn't want to do it anyway. So it's exactly what you said, that it's just creating more productivity and value. It's unlocking it where it wasn't there before. Well, there, there's no question. And my, my new best friend is bard.google.com. Bard is the, uh, uh, remember, there's, again, little nomenclature thing, but it, it is important. There is generative AI, which is what ChatGPT is, and Bard.com. And generative, again, just means that you load you know, trillions of data in together, and because of machine learning, not because of artificial intelligence, you know, artificial general intelligence, as in thinking stuff, but machine learning has been around for you know, 20, 25 years. Um, and you're able to construct sentences and things by putting it together in because of the speed of these GPUs. So, uh, you know, <laughs> When when we get to the point that uh, I can like even bar Google.com, oh my God, I get so much more done during the day. I you know I always I was late for our interview. Well, one of the reasons was is because I was late on getting some content out this morning before I went to the doctor's office, and I was able to get a five-page report done in about <coughs> twenty minutes. That would have taken me two hours. Uh, without right. it does a lot of the fundamental work and then you can go in and use your actual intelligence to tweak it. Is that right? You are correct, sir. Um, and what's amazing is once you start now, again, uh, if, if uh, middle management or, you know, uh, uh, the accounting, God, I remember at our old, our, our big company, Phillips Publishing, we had an entire floor of bean counters and and you know accounts payable, accounts receivable, uh, blah, blah 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 blah, and and now you don't need those really people. I mean the, the the point is you are exactly right. There are going to be levels of work that are just go away because there's no reason to do that. I mean, for, for instance, again, I'm going to go back to the cost accounting with Tommy, the the uh, the uh, chicken fillet king. Um, imagine if you had all this structured data and you had real artificial general intelligence. And, and you just simply say, what was our cost of chicken yesterday? Because the other thing about artificial general intelligence and the data lakes you have is that they're in real time. The other thing about ChatGPT, as you know, and I think anybody's ever tried it, if you say, hey, what, was, what were the earnings of Microsoft in 2009, or excuse me, 2019? And it will say, I'm sorry, Dave, but... I only go back to September 2021. Um, great. How does that help me? 
I, today I have a you know problem. I want to know. I mean, uh, another software company we work with specializes in logistics and cutting the amount of manpower. Uh, NRI is one of the largest logistic companies in the world. I bet you did not know this, Sean. Logistics is about 10% of the United States GDP. In no, Ch- China, that. it's about 11%. I mean, in my neighborhood, we should just invite, we should just get an apartment for the FedEx driver because uh, he's, you know, he's here five times a day, right? So the worst part of being in logistics, Sean, if you've ever been on the floor of a logistics uh, place, as I have, is being a picker. Now, first off, it could be the worst name of all for someone, a human being doing labor, right? Um, but you hire this new person. It takes them about two months to figure out, you know, where north and south is and, you know, what aisle is, blah, blah, blah. Then <clears throat> after about a year, about 70%, 75% quit because it's the world's crappiest job. So with this new um, <coughs> software called Wayfinder, first off, it's like on your phone here. It, your first job of the day is, and it tells you exactly where to go um, and uh, and creates the route for you. And you go around it. And if you're with your, you know, auto, your, your auto robot, you take stuff you put in the robot, you keep going. They improve the productivity 35% with just essentially an iPhone and their um, uh, artificial intelligence. Well, that was great uh, because you know what? The biggest cost in logistics just happens to be labor. It's shocking, right? But the other side of it is that then this was a a nine-month trial. They're now like 12, 14 months into it. The dropout rate, because by the way, 75% of people quit after the first year. They dropped the dropout rate down to 30%. Because people actually enjoyed the job, and they got a lot right. more done, and they weren't just you know flopping around. Um, that will completely change logistics, and you're not going to need as many pickers. But trust me when I tell you this: there's a lot of other jobs out there other than being a picker in a logistics place. Um, well, part of hu- the way humans will adapt to this is they have to figure out how can I be savvy with the latest technology to do the right prompts to be able to work with these robots, machine learning tools, and so forth. Uh, it's already turned into a whole new job category instantly within the last uh, six months of someone who does chat GPT prompting, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you get into it, and I'm like now freaking total addict, um, you know, shockingly, the prompting really means a lot. So I have like, you know, prompt tools in front of me. Uh, that tell me, all right, Toby, if you want to know this, so and so and so forth, prompt it this way. Absolutely amazing. But, you know, let's go back. Right. There was this thing uh, before you were born, you know, it was called a PC. It came out in about the early 80s. And um, those of us who uh, had offices uh, all had secretaries, if you were a VP and up, right? And the secretary basically did all this stuff, but mostly what they did is they typed. Because uh, you reports and this and that and so on and so forth. I'll never never forget Marianne. My she was ridiculously good. However, when I got my compact PC, which was in a a box like this big, the screen was like this size. It was green, but I had a keyboard, and within six months, Marianne was gone, which she loved because she didn't like being a secretary. What she really wanted to be. Uh, 
it was a, a art historian, which that's she turned out to be, and and open up an art store and build a nice life for herself in Long Beach, California. She hated being a secretary. It sucked. Well, <clears throat> you know, when you go to the C level now at companies, first off, you don't have secretaries or executive assistants. And yeah, if you're the CEO of a billion dollar company, you have an executive assistant, and maybe some of the other people do. But but they're actually scheduling stuff and they're actually putting things together. I mean, it's not, they're not typing. But now I just talk into this little machine, all my content goes in there, whether I'm on the road or I'm on the plane or whatever, it gets spell checks, put together, et cetera. I hit a button and, <coughs> excuse me, it goes out. That was the change of the tech stack in, uh, you know, the mid eighties. Then the next tech, how easy for me to say, tech stack change, was this thing called the browser. And it was all encoded in HTML. And HTML allowed the browser to go to, uh, you know, True Market Insiders, my publishing company, go to Ampfire, knows where to go, takes you to the page, yada, yada, yada. That was a tech stack change. The next tech stack change was certainly, you know, iPhone and apps. I mean, can you remember not having an app to find out where the hell you were going on a freeway? Do you remember, you know, I, 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 I've totally blocked out. We used to have a thing called the Thomas Guide, which was a giant map, a book of maps. No, and I when you wanted to go somewhere, you like folded out <laughs> your freaking Thomas Guide. And then your wife was going, but I don't know. I can't see. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, see, is, is these types of uh, Google Maps and things have helped marriages. Maybe artificial intelligence and machine learning will help marriages as well. We just have to figure out how to use it properly. Uh, I want to do a, a quick recap, Toby, because you talked about the S-curve of the change waves. And sometimes it's technology, sometimes it's not. In the case of AI, it really does seem like, even though there's maybe a temporary mania, that as the years, the years to come, this is a secular trend. This is going to just keep going and going and going for there's years no, to come there's here. No, there's no question. And again, right. it's because the world does not have enough of the next generation to replace the boomers. And, and the Gen Zs are not producing enough. I mean, isn't I'm, that a nice, is, happy accident that we have a labor shortage at the same time we have a technology that can replace labor? You know, I, I'm not a real spiritual man, but if I was, I would say that uh, somebody was looking out and saying, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you know, your GDP is based on, at least in the United States and most modern countries, of how many people you have and how much they consume. In the United States, 72% of our GDP is, is you know, personal consumption. Yeah. It, well, it, it is interesting. But it's been going for I mean, These AI gurus yeah, are kind of obsessed with uh, universal basic income because they're looking ahead and they're thinking to themselves, this could replace almost all of us here. And we're going to have to have people are going to have to have something to do. I think we're years away from that kind of thing, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, but they're already thinking about about that. Um, we don't have time to dig into that now, but let's save that for the next conversation. Where can people go to learn about your your investment research? Well, they can go to uh, tobinsmith.io. Uh, we have a, an investment newsletter called Transformity uh, Investors. Shocking. Uh, that's on the True Market Insiders platform. Um, I'm just looking at the numbers here today. Our artificial intelligence portfolio, which we've had for a year, we just didn't start it yesterday, um, uh, is up 105% uh, 
so far this year. Oh, that's uh, not shabby. Not shabby. Uh, the market's up 15, but <clears throat> who knows? Um, but the um, the important thing is that just like in uh, the dot com mania, and just like in the app mania, uh, wireless you know deal, it's it's literally the picks and shovel makers, the people who are making the silicon in the stack, and then the software that makes the money. So the reason why NVIDIA is our largest position now, as I'm looking at here, is because we understood what they were doing. ChatGPT was out in November of last year. I don't, you know, unless you're really wired into this stuff, a lot of people don't realize that. They think, well, it just started, you know, in uh, January. Well, no, it's been, it's been around for a while. But even in, in November, we could see how uh, pro uh, productivity was going to be enhanced. And and then the second point you didn't ask, but we'll get to later, is, you know, Elon Musk and uh, other guys set up OpenAI uh, because they were afraid of, you know, the uh, the uh, monsters uh, coming out and killing people and, uh, you know, creating the, the uh, uh, you know, a neutron bomb that the robot lets off and wipes out humanity. And there's no question that as we get deeper and deeper into artificial general intelligence, <clears throat> There's going to need to be guardrails, but yes. we can't be afraid of this, Todd, because it's happening whether we like it or not. You learn how to leverage your time, whatever you do, um, and be more productive. And then when it, when we start to the real thinking stuff, you'll just be amazed. Again, I just say like the chicken. How much did our chicken cost today landed in store 56? Uh, well, let's you know, say it's a, a dollar fifty a pound. What What's the average? Chicken price that we pay for the other stores, a dollar oh five. Why is that? And <laughs> in AGI world, it's going to say because your manager is taking twenty percent of it and selling it out the back door. That's why. <laughs> in real time, you would know that. Insight. I go back to my auditors and my bean counters; they would know it a quarter or two quarters later. Right. So. And, and what's fascinating to me is that it's not just us retail people, uh, normal citizens who are able to use these types of tools. It's nation states. This is how civilizations and nation states will, will win wars, world wars, and lose world wars, how they end up interpreting uh, big data and so forth. So this is really a, a complete game changer. And uh, and it's already happening. It's not like it's it's uh, it's something to happen in the future. There's all this, these types of wars are already being fought uh, with supercomputers and with this type well, look of look at the drones. Look at the drones in the Ukraine. <clears throat> How do you think those drones got to Moscow? <laughs> How do you think those right. drones shut down Ukraine before it was invaded? <coughs> excuse me. Is and it still is one of the leading mathemat mathematical countries in the world. Um, they have more universities, more degrees in math and in statistics and science per capita than any other country. I think that's why Putin invaded them, is for their brain power. I mean, yeah, they have a lot of wheat and so on and so forth, but um, uh, why, why is China buying hundreds of thousands? Why is Saudi Arabia buying hundreds of thousands of NVIDIA GPUs on the black market? <clears throat> because they know, yeah, and everybody now knows, Arms race. Yes. You. Why would you send somebody into battle, where you know do what the Ukrainians are forced to do now? Essentially, put their troops through minefields to find out where the freaking mines are. 
when you could have had all this surveilled, <coughs> excuse me, you could have had all this surveilled, and you would have seen that happening in real time, and then you would have sent your drone in and blow out all those bombs. I mean, it's totally going to change. When you say uh, we're going to go into a, a station or a, ask ask War Siri, hey Siri, what's the most vulnerable part of the Russian you know army right now? Boom, here it is. How how should we go there? We need eight tanks. You need five. Okay. How I many? Found this on the web, what's the most <laughs> Siri's actually talking to you. She's actually going to give you an answer on how. I don't, how don't want to know. No. Uh, but you know that that's scary. But but you're right. It's already happening now. And it's going to be scary when these AIs can can make decisions for themselves and say, "Hey, wait a minute here. Maybe the best thing to do is to to order the drones to kill the guy who's prompting me." <laughs> so well, you know, this goes into science fiction. But we have an uh, F eighteen that costs two hundred and fifty million dollars. It's the most lethal war fighting machine in the history of mankind. The pilots <coughs> don't do crap as pilots. It's auto takeoff, it's auto control, it's all run, you know, via radar and so on and so forth. They do the bombs. They, you know, if you have to get into dogfighting, they would be doing the dogfighting. But it's very soon going to be that for those $280 million planes, which then are going to, you know, become $500 million planes, they're going to be completely AI. There'll be a person there unless because maybe the system goes down and there's, you know, a pilot. But you're not going to be able to fight. Uh, you're not, you know, in the naval war, the naval war is the one everybody's most focused on, which is in China versus Taiwan in an invasion. You should see some of the technology they have, Sean. I've been there um, to intercept incoming bombs, you know, the laser stuff that they're doing in, in Ukraine. That's all AI driven. That's all machine learning. Uh, learning. Right. There's no guy sitting back there. Hey, wait a minute. Let me see. Hey. So. If, if, if you don't, if you as a society and a culture don't have leading chops when it comes to generative AI and then to the real stuff, the artificial general intelligence, AGI, by the way, you're, you're going to be behind. And, uh, you know, Russia has some really smart people, but most of the, all the smart people have left because they're smart. And I still go with the fact that, you know, it, with the egotism of Putin, he thought he could get a... AI upleg by essentially, you know, taking over Ukraine, which he didn't understand that, that all the smart people in Ukraine left too. He thought, and then no, they all stayed in there kicking their ass. But isn't that, that important, Sean? It is a generational change. Nation states are trying to figure out how can we get the right human capital, uh, the human resources that understand this type of stuff, to, because that's part of the equation of the, who are the humans and what kind of skill sets do they need to be able to interface with this new technology. The Apple Vision AR technology is coming out in January, and I've seen you know the promos for this stuff. And the first thing I thought was actually about military applications, about how Absolutely. soldiers and generals and so forth are going to be using this AR uh, augmented reality to use their hands to work with uh, big data analytics and graphs and stats and stuff uh, instead of using a mouse and pointing at, at a screen. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to change everything. I think it's it's kind of like the iPhone. That's how big of a change that Apple's going to actually usher in a new uh, virtual reality uh, type of mania. But we'll see how that that rolls out. And we should do an episode in January when Apple Vision comes out mm -hmm. to talk about it. 
I have used the demo, Sean. Oh, yeah. You, it, it makes that Facebook thing look like a toy. Right. Um, and uh, and, and you need NVIDIA chips to, to make that work, too. Do you see how you, you need NVIDIA for everything? <laughs> well, yes, but remember that the other chip makers, uh, particularly like Broadcom, for instance, there's a chip, small chip called an ASIC, A-S-I-C, which is just a specific a chip to do a specific task. Uh, AMD has a new GPU coming out in November that uh, has the same or better specs. The war is on. NVIDIA can't dominate everything else because the reason why they beat their numbers by, eh, you know, uh, a trillion dollars is their pricing power. If you're a venture capitalist you, in, in Silicon Valley, they're going out and buying uh, the, you know, NVIDIA H100. That's the super powered one. They're buying hundreds and thousands of them so they can go to their venture capital investments and get them the GPUs that they couldn't get because they're not available to anybody else. I mean, right. it's, it, it is a generational shift. There's a huge amount of money to be made. It's in the picks and shovels. It's in the intellectual property that um, is patented, copyrighted, uh, and, um, and enables this. And right now, no question that uh, NVIDIA, you know, I mean, we have a price target of 600 bucks. We'll probably change that uh, quickly um, because it's now a, a flywheel, meaning that as it's as the more GPUs are being made, more uh, stuff is, are using these high-speed GPUs. More high-speed GPUs is creating more applications, and um, the, the incremental. Remember, Taiwan Semiconductor is the one who makes Nvidia's GPUs. They don't even make their own; they just design them. How about that for intellectual? The value of intellectual uh, property. Right. There's more, more than one way to play this. And it's interesting. Some people are projecting uh, NVIDIA at over $1,000 a share, putting it at the most, uh, the biggest company in the world. Uh, and if you ask the average person on the street, they wouldn't know what NVIDIA is. Only so their son would know because their son has the NVIDIA GPU to play, you know, World of War, Warcraft. But I mean, I'm looking at our list. Um, we own a company called SMCI. SMCI builds the data racks that go into the data center that has the, um, uh, you know, the, the artificial general intelligence, not the AGI stuff, but the, certainly the, the generative AI stuff. Well, the stock has gone from, I'm looking at here, $120. We're, we're now at $350 today um, because they're the largest buyer of NVIDIA H100 GPUs. Uh, we, we added a company a couple of weeks ago called Celestica. They're a, a contract manufacturer. They make phones. They make all sorts of, uh, but they also make a rack that goes into your data center. Um, and uh, it's a competitive SMCI, but it was selling for, you know, a much lower multiple. As I say, as you dig into the pieces of how bardgoogle.com sends me this wonderful, you know, two-page essay on whatever I'm looking for. <clears throat> it starts with the silicon, not silicone. Silicon. It, it, and those chips, then it goes to the um, optical networking. All this is happening at literally light speed, right? So uh, ANET, A-N-E-T. Uh, we bought that in December. Uh, I'm looking at now. It's it's a $400 stock. We bought it for 110 Why? Because 
you if you have that GPU, it's like having you know the world's biggest engine, um, and but now you're trying to connect with another uh, server. If you don't have this lightning connection, it, it's it's like somebody's going a thousand miles an hour, somebody's going one mile an hour. Right. So there's the, the food chain all the way down. The whole food chain and figuring out which which part of that food chain. Uh, is necessary, which companies play a role there, and uh, is it already priced in or, or not? And so it looks like you were kind of early there. And what you sent to me, you texted me before the show, that some of these things went really high in the mania you guys sold, and then you waited it for it to come back down to earth, and then you bought them again. Well, that's so the, that's playing the mania yeah. like you did in the dot-com days. That, that is, that, I learned that in the mania of the dot-com days, <laughs> which was that when you truly hit a, a mania, a mania is when people in their 401k or in their Schwab account put a market order in for a stock that's, you know, going like this. So all of a sudden, a market order means you, you'll buy it at any price. Well, shockingly, those prices keep going up like this because it gets hit with all these market orders. And, it, you know, then it, I call it the Viagra Triangle. The stock goes like this. But nowadays uh, they just shut down the trading. <laughs> so no one seems to be able to make any money when things go straight up. But well, it's uh, just but that's because you got FOMO, fear of missing out. You have people who can buy a hundred thousand shares on a phone. <laughs> I mean, uh, so uh what you do in those manias is you there's a variety of strategies I don't want to bore you with, but um we sell options against that stuff and we're making money no matter what happens. And then when it peaks, you'll see it. It, it'll, you know, three day, five day, eight day, whatever it is, you'll see a peak. It'll be so overbought, meaning that the relative strength is like 10 times what it used to be. That's the top. Then we sell that stuff. And if we can buy options, we'll buy options because we know it's coming down. But one of our small cap companies literally went from 55 cents to $2.55 in about eight trading days. Now, what I tell my subscribers is you don't wait for me. Don't wait for us to send you, take those profits, you bonehead. Um, <laughs> no stock goes up 255% in eight days. The only stock that does that is either they're getting bought out, so that's a buyout, and you know, or there's a mania behind it, and people are in there with market orders, just they don't care because stocks are priced by the marginal buyer, Sean, and the marginal buyer is the price insensitive buyer. If we were at an auction and we're all bidding against uh, you know, a Picasso that I love, um, you know who's going to win that? <laughs> it's the person who's not price sensitive. Tobin Smith would have been out of the bidding a long time ago. Um, but the price insensitive buyer is the marginal buyer. They are the ones who set the price. And as long as there are market orders existing, while the stock's going like this, it's going to continue to go like this. You know what? Until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, it's going to reverse almost all that because <laughs> I lost money. I bought this stock at, you know, 300% up and they want to save their ass and they swear they'll never buy a stock again is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they have market orders on the down uh, the <laughs> limit. You know, there's, they have stop uh, orders. So it's the mechanics of the market, uh, Sean. And I've seen it enough that it's just so much fun to ride that it thing. Is. It's and probably then, by new new change waves because you can see them coming from a mile away at this point. Thank you, Tobin, for coming on. We have completely run out of time, but we're going to put a link in the description below at uh, tobinsmith.io. People can learn all about your investment newsletter. Right. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.
Cheers.